guys, and welcome back today to the Unknown Friends podcast. I'm your host and book reviewer, Rochelle Ferguson from Kitty Wayne Productions, and thank you so much for tuning into this week's book review. This is episode four of the podcast's third season, and today we're diving into our second trilogy of the year. After finishing our discussion of Sigrid Unset's trilogy, Kristen Laverne's Daughter, in our previous episode, we're now moving on to N.D. Wilson's 100 Cupboards trilogy. Now, this is quite a transition uh, from Norwegian historical fiction to modern American fantasy, and from the long, immersive story of one woman's life as daughter, wife, and mother to the fast-paced story of a 12-year-old boy's adventures one summer in Kansas and other places not in this world. Sigrid Unset, of course, was a middle-aged woman writing in the 1920s. Andy Wilson, on the other hand, a young father writing, well, pretty much now. Uh, The 100 Cupboards trilogy was published between 2007 and 2010. So it's a jump between these two trilogies, a bit of whiplash in many ways. But I think variety is healthy, and despite their obvious dissimilarities, these two trilogies nevertheless do share some surprising commonalities. Both trilogies have complex storylines and a lot of characters, and thematically, family is central to both writers' purposes. And both trilogies um, immerse the reader into unfamiliar, fascinating worlds, whether that be the world of 14th century Norway or the many magical worlds which the heroes of the Hundred Cupboards travel through. So, N.D. Wilson. Who is this guy? We have talked about him before on the podcast, almost exactly one year ago, in fact, in Season 2, Episode 5, when I reviewed his nonfiction book, Notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl. At the time, I briefly gave his biography, but in case you've forgotten it or didn't hear that episode, I'll give just a short summary again. Andy Wilson grew up in Idaho and still lives there with his wife and five kids. He describes himself as the son of a couple of Jesus people hippies who eventually became Presbyterians. His father, in fact, became a pastor and also founded a small classical school, which Andy Wilson himself attended as a kid. And now Wilson is a writer, of course, and a filmmaker, in addition to teaching at New St. Andrews College. He has written quite a few children's and young adult novels, not only the 100 Cupboards series, but also his Ashtown Burials books, and another trilogy called The Outlaws of Time, plus two standalone novels, Boys of Blur and Lee Pike Ridge. And of course, he's also written a bit of nonfiction, not just notes from the Tilt-A-Whirl that we discussed last year, but also a slightly more recent book called Death by Living, published in 2013. Now, Andy Wilson is still a comparatively young writer. He was born in 1978, 
And when he published his first books, including the Hundred Cupboards trilogy, he was quite young, still in his 20s, when the first 100 Cupboards book came out. So 100 Cupboards is the title of the first book in the 100 Cupboards trilogy, and it was published in 2007, and then book two, Dandelion Fire, came out in 2009, and then the third book, The Chestnut King, in 2010. Now, technically, there is one more book in the 100 Cupboards series, but it's somewhat distinct from the other three. It is a prequel to the trilogy titled The Door Before, and Wilson didn't actually publish it until 2017. And while, of course, it's connected to the characters and worlds of the trilogy, it's not really part of the same storyline from what I understand. I've not read it, and you certainly don't have to read it to understand the trilogy itself. Now, the three books of the trilogy are all necessary and closely connected. They're really just three subsections of one overarching narrative. So if you were to stop after book one, you would definitely be ending on a cliffhanger. Um, You've got to read all three. But the prequel isn't strictly necessary. So the trilogy follows a boy named Henry York, 12 years old, an only child, who is coming to Kansas to spend the summer with his aunt and uncle and cousins. Because, believe it or not, his parents have been kidnapped in South America and are being held for ransom. But remarkably, his parents and their experience do not enter the story much. It's very much in the background, mostly because they and Henry don't have an ideal relationship. Henry's parents remind me ever so slightly of Eustace Clarence Scrubs' parents from the Chronicles of Narnia. They are very up-to-date and advanced people, as C.S. Lewis describes, which unfortunately ends up meaning they are pretty terrible parents. They protect Henry to the furthermost extreme. He's not allowed to drink soda, He has to wear a helmet in P.E. class. He's never been allowed to play baseball. You get the picture. They are ridiculously overprotective. And yet, at the same time, they're hardly at all personally involved in Henry's life. Instead, he has been raised by nannies and goes to boarding school. So there is a pretty wide separation between Henry and his parents, thanks to their poor parenting style. And as a result, um, to be quite honest, Henry is not overly concerned about his parents being held hostage. He hopes, of course, that they will be ransomed and assumes they will be, thanks to their being pretty wealthy and somewhat famous. But more practically and immediately, he is just concerned about his own life. And he doesn't have to experience much of this summer in Kansas before he is quite thankful for the opportunity to live apart from his parents and out from under their obsessive control for a while. Henry's uncle and aunt are unlike his parents in pretty much every way. Uncle Frank and Aunt Dottie are warm, laid-back, wise, adventurous, 
and loving, and they have three daughters of their own, Penelope, Henrietta, and Anastasia. The whole family, the the Willis family, welcomes Henry into their home, and he begins to like them almost immediately. Uncle Frank is a curious fellow, but a real gem. Uh, Probably one of the best characters that you'll find in the last couple decades of children's fiction, honestly. He might not seem particularly impressive at the beginning of the story, but just the depths of his character are gradually revealed over the course of the three books. There is so much more to him than what at first meets the eye. Although he is likable from the very beginning, I would say. He is practical, um, humorously so sometimes. And speaking of, he has a great sense of humor. He tries to sell tumbleweeds online to folks from the city. And also when there seems to be no other way to open a locked door in the house, he tries taking a chainsaw to it. So in other words, he is practical to the point of being rather astonishing sometimes. So Henry likes Uncle Frank and the whole Willis family, although their ways bewilder him at first, used as he is to such a very different life. But as their life becomes more familiar to him, he grows to value it more and more. The the goodwill and freedom and simple joys of this life. And for the most part, he likes his cousins as well as his aunt and uncle. Penelope is a little older than Henry and Anastasia a little younger, but the middle child, Henrietta, is quite close to Henry's age and becomes his closest friend in the house, although they certainly have their quarrels. Lots of them. <laughs> Let's just say Henrietta has a rather forceful personality. And when it comes to that, Henry has a stubborn streak as well. Now, what sets this story in motion after Henry's arrival in the Willis home in Kansas is an accidental discovery. He's staying in the attic bedroom of the house, and one night he imagines that he hears something like tapping in the wall. And soon he finds that some of the wall plaster has peeled off, and eventually he discovers underneath a pair of dials in the wall. Henry gets curious and begins chipping away more of the plaster, and in time he completely de-plasters one wall of his room, and he finds in the process 99 little doors in the wall, cupboard doors of 99 different shapes and sizes, with different knobs and made of different types of wood and glass. One of them looks like a post office box, and another opens to the smell of moss and trees and wind. But most of the cupboard doors won't open. They're locked tight, and no amount of pulling or twisting can unlatch them. Henrietta gets in on Henry's discovery, and they're both amazed and naturally curious about how and why the cupboards got built into Henry's bedroom wall, and why they'd been covered over with plaster. And the cupboards aren't the only mystery. 
The children's grandfather, Aunt Dottie's father, died two years before, and his old bedroom in the house has been locked ever since, and no one knows where the key is. And what's more, the door cannot seem to be opened or broken into in any way. This is the door that Frank takes a chainsaw to eventually, but even that doesn't breach it. The cupboards, though, are the main mystery, especially when it becomes quite clear that beyond each of the 99 doors is a separate place. These are not just doors that open onto the other side of Henry's wall. They somehow, magically, connect to entirely different places. Different worlds, perhaps. They're portals of some kind. Through the little post office door, for instance, Henry can occasionally see a man walk by. And Henry even receives some letters. Very strange letters from very strange people. And there's one door that strikes fear in Henry's heart. It's a door of dark glass through which he can see nothing, but it gives him an uneasy feeling. And eventually some rather creepy stuff happens thanks to that dark door, but I won't spoil those moments for you. And of course, on top of all this, I'm sure you'll have noticed that only 99 doors are accounted for so far. Where's the 100th? I'm not going to tell you. But Henry finds that one too, eventually. So, all in all, book one of the trilogy shows us Henry getting um, acclimatized to the Willis family and to Kansas, and finding the cupboards and trying to learn what they are and how they work, and just beginning to explore the possibility of traveling into the different worlds of the cupboards. And in the meantime, he also has some creepy dreams, and a couple of experiences which are certainly nightmarish, but unfortunately are not dreams. Henry is awake for these and he eventually discovers that in the process of unearthing the cupboards, he may also have awakened other things that were never meant to be disturbed. And top all that off with a climactic encounter with a witch and her diseased cat, and you get a rather exciting first book for the 100 Cupboards trilogy. So, there is your introduction to the storyline and main characters of this series. Many more characters enter the story in books two and three, so we'll talk more about them in our next episode on Dandelion Fire, the second book. But this is enough to get us started as far as the characters are concerned. And the storyline also kind of explodes through book two and three. Um, the first book is significantly shorter than the other two, and it very much serves as a setup to what becomes the main story in the later books. It's necessary setup and interesting, but in my opinion, books two and three get even more interesting. 
In book one, Henry and Henrietta just barely put one toe into the deep waters of traveling among the worlds of the cupboards. But there's lots more of magic and foreign worlds in the later books. Henry gets pulled deep into other worlds in books two and three. But more on that next time. For now, one thing I do want to say about the trilogy as a whole is this. One of the most intriguing things about it to me is that it's distinctly American fantasy. And I think this is thoroughly intentional on Andy Wilson's part. He is very attuned to the magic of our own world, the magic of our everyday lives. And so while Henry does travel to other worlds, he also begins to recognize the wonder of Kansas. Uh, Baseball is magical to him, and so are countless other things. And N.D. Wilson wants his readers to be enthralled by our own world, just as much as we're enthralled by some imaginary fantasy world. And so what I think helps Wilson achieve this is the fact that he sets his story in the heart of America, in the fields of Kansas, as opposed to doing the more traditional thing for fantasy, which would be to set the story in a more British or or European sort of setting. J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis are clear influences on N.D. Wilson's writing, and yet he brings a couple of very unique things to the Tolkien-esque fantasy genre, and one of those is his Americanness. I I don't know how to describe it. It's a combination of just the physical setting of Kansas, the farms and barns and dandelions and dust, and then added to the setting just his American worldview that prioritizes values like independence and boldness. It's difficult to define, but yeah, the best way I can think of describing it is just that it's American. And while, of course, I deeply love Tolkien's and Lewis's British fantasy stories, it is exciting to see unmistakably American fantasy like this from a contemporary Christian writer who is writing in order to help us love our own place and time and see the magic in it. At the same time, it is also fun to see the influence of Tolkien and Lewis in The 100 Cupboards. Primarily, the book was plainly shaped by the Chronicles of Narnia, but more specifically by the sixth chronicle, The Magician's Nephew. You have a boy and a girl exploring an attic room and eventually finding a place with a whole number of portals into countless other worlds. And what's more, ultimately, the boy wakes something ancient that shouldn't have been waked and brings havoc into his own world and other worlds. So lots of the magician's nephew in the 100 cupboards. And yet, Andy Wilson still manages to create something quite original. It's impressive to see the blend of his originality with the tradition of Christian fantasy. 
So taking a step back and speaking of the trilogy as a whole, I would certainly recommend The 100 Cupboards. It's a captivating and suspenseful trilogy. It features some really excellent characters and character development, and it explores valuable themes, which we will discuss in the next two episodes. One warning, I guess, about the first book in particular. Some readers complain that it is slow, some that it's confusing, and a few others that it has an unsatisfying ending. Well, that last one is a silly complaint, in my opinion, because it's only the first book in a trilogy. It's not meant to have a satisfying ending. You're supposed to keep reading. The accusations, however, of the book being slow or confusing may be a little more warranted. Personally, I would say the book kept my interest the whole time. I did not find it slow. And I don't expect you will either if you approach it with the right expectations. Book one is the setup to a bigger story, and it's fueled much more by curiosity and mystery than by any major conflict. That comes later. And Andy Wilson takes his time in this first book to let us really get to know the Willis family and learn to appreciate Kansas, which is an important part of what he's doing in this series, as I've already said. And then as for this book being confusing, yeah, it is a little. There, There's a lot going on that's not explained. Henry's weird dreams, especially, are pretty uninterpretable until later in the series, and so it can be a little bewildering at times as you try to wrap your head around what's going on. But don't worry, you are not intended to fully understand everything that's going on as you read the first book. In time, things will be explained. So just hold on, and Wilson does eventually weave all his threads together, and it will make sense by the end of the series. So personally, I think if you just have a little patience and appreciation for Wilson's purposes in these books, you will thoroughly enjoy this trilogy. You just have to read all three books and not give up after the first one. So that's my two cents. And lastly, just a few comments for parents. 100 Cupboards is written primarily for kids and young adults although I can attest to it still being interesting at 26. And personally, I would not recommend it to kids younger than maybe 10 or 12 for a couple of reasons. The biggest thing is just that there's some creepy stuff in this trilogy. Um, from my perspective, good creepy. I mean, it's important to the story and effective, it's just maybe not ideal for little kids because it could scare them. So just bear in mind that there are some hair-raising elements to this series and some violence, though not super graphic, as well as just a tiny bit of language in the second book. So those would be my main content warnings. Plus just one more general thought. In book one especially... Henry and Henrietta are not ideal children. 
They argue with each other, not always nicely, and they also hide things from Henrietta's parents. Obviously, this is not something you want your kids to read and imitate. So I definitely think if you're interested in having your younger kids read this, it would be awesome if you could read it together as a family so you could discuss these things and help guide your kids through Henry and Henrietta's behavior. I get tired very quickly of children's books that show the main characters disobeying parents and getting away with it. This is an all-too-common trope that needs to change. And I do wish there had been a way for Andy Wilson to write this trilogy without having Henry and Henrietta behave in the way they do and hide things from Frank and Dottie. But let me just say that their bad behavior does have major consequences. And they grow up considerably over the course of the three books. And probably the most important thing in my mind is that Wilson does not portray the adults as stupid in this story. The adults in the 100 Cupboards trilogy are awesome. Seriously, Uncle Frank Willis is the coolest guy once you really get to know him. And when I say cool, I mean he is solid as a rock, fearless, resourceful, discerning, all the, all the best things. And he is not the only cool adult by any stretch of the imagination. So all I'm saying is, although it looks at first like Andy Wilson is following the trend of kids being disobedient and being right in the end while the parents are wrong, this is not what he's actually doing. The parents might not be perfect, but they are wise and brave and inspiring, and the kids are pretty stupid at first and have to learn some things the hard way before they can get even close to being as cool as the parents. So hopefully that helps. Um, just, just some things to think about and talk about if you read 100 Cupboards with your kids, which I highly recommend. And that's all for today. In two weeks, I will be back with a continuation of this discussion, focusing on the second book in Wilson's trilogy called Dandelion Fire. We'll introduce some more characters, discuss how the storyline progresses, and start digging into some of the trilogy's themes. Also, next week, patrons... Keep an eye out for your monthly bonus book review to show up in your podcast feed. In this month's bonus episode, I will be discussing G.K. Chesterton's novel, The Man Who Was Thursday, which is a wild, mind-bending story, and I cannot wait to take a deeper look at it with you guys. So, patrons, that'll be available for you this coming Wednesday, February 23rd. Now, if you're not yet a patron of the podcast and would like to become one and get access to these bonus episodes and other extra content, just visit patreon.com slash unknownfriends, and it's super easy to become a patron there, at whatever level you're able to support the podcast, whether you can pledge just $2 a month or at most $12 a month. Like always, if you have any questions about becoming a patron 
or recommendations of books you'd like me to review on the podcast, just message me on Facebook or Instagram, and I'd love to have a conversation with you. As always, I'm your host, Rochelle Ferguson of Kitty Wayne Productions, and thank you again for listening to today's episode. I'll be back in two weeks. Thank you.